Hey guys, Sophia here. I'm so excited to finally be able to share this news with you. We've launched a new podcast at Girlboss called Mentor Memos. Here, our COO Neha Gandhi talks to mentors like Cecile Richards, the former CEO of Planned Parenthood, and Christine Barbaric, a co-founder of Refinery29, and their mentees about their relationships, how they found each other, and what they want you to know about finding a mentor of your own. Have a listen right here. Hi, Neha Gandhi here, CEO Girl Boss, and your host for Mentor Memos. As you hopefully already know, a big piece of our aim here at Girl Boss is to explore every facet of what it means for women to define success on their own terms. And that's why we're so happy to be able to work with a partner like Tresemme that shares in our mission to help women advance to the next level. It's not always an easy task, especially in a world and a system that wasn't designed with women in mind. But together we can move the needle forward. And I have to say that today's episode of Mentor Memos is especially near and dear to my heart because today we get to talk to my mentor, the inimitable Christine Barbaric. You might know her from following her on Instagram or seeing her byline on Refinery29. She is the global editor-in-chief and a co-founder of Refinery. Before Girlboss, I worked at Refinery29 for nearly six years and Christine was the woman who hired me there. And we've built this incredible mentorship relationship since then. She's someone that has helped make me a better writer, has helped make me a better editor, and she's helped make me a better leader. She's someone whose advice has been indispensable. I can't wait for you to hear everything that she has to say. Here's our conversation. I'm really excited about this. Welcome, Christine Barbaric to Mentor Memos. Thank you, Neha. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I So this is a really special interview and recording for me because Christine is not only the global editor-in-chief and co-founder of Refinery29, but also probably one of the people who's been most instrumental in my life and career in not just teaching me and guiding me and truly mentoring me. You know, Christine, I credit you with making me a better writer and editor, but even more importantly, I credit you with making me the kind of leader I can be proud of, someone who really thinks about how they manage, how they hire, and also with giving me some of the biggest opportunities that have shaped my career. So I owe nearly everything to you. I'm so great. You're so great. (laughs) And so I'm really honored to have you here today and just to talk a little bit. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. I want to start with a story about how we met and I'll give you my perspective and I would love to hear yours. Okay. I remember so clearly I was a Refinery29 fan. I was reading the, what was a blog back then. um, And I saw a posting on the front page about a deputy editor job and in the contact information for the job posting was your personal direct email or your Refinery29 email. <laughs> no job too small. <laughs> exactly. I know. And I was like, Screening oh. all the resumes, <laughs> even to this day. No. And so I was like, this is it. This is the dream job. And actually a friend of mine flagged it for me. And then I was like, this is it. I canceled my plans that night and 
you know, labored over this email that was going to function as my cover letter. I rewrote my resume like three times and I sent it in. And I had a friend who had, you know, a coworker who had gone to college with Pierre, one of the other co-founders. And I was like, okay, tomorrow you reach out to her and tell them how great I am and that they have to call me in. And before she could even do that, I got an email from you probably at 7 a.m. And you were like, can you come in today? I'm going to New Zealand, maybe even that afternoon or the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, great. And I just left the house and I went back in and I changed into something that, you know, I felt was more presentable for fi- my first meeting with you. Mm-hmm. And I came in that afternoon and I remember so clearly I met you and, you know, I'm sure lots of people who are listening follow Christine on Instagram and know that she has this like beautiful red hair and she's statuesque, she's tall, and she paints a really intimidating figure when you first meet her. And so I meet, I go in, I meet her, we're sitting at this sort of um, conference room table at the front of the office and my leg is shaking. Like it's actually like moving up and down uncontrollably in a way that I'm like, I can't control this. Like, I don't know how to make it stop. And it was because I wanted the job so badly. And I'd been in so many interviews, like in the past, in the previous probably two or three weeks. So I could not understand why I couldn't control my jitters, but I couldn't. And so we get through the interview, we talk, and I'm more convinced than ever that this is the perfect job for me. And I go away, I do the edit test, I think there might even be a second edit test, and we sort of get through the process, and somehow, miraculously, I get this job, which ends up being exactly the dream job I thought it was going to be, and then actually a lot more that I couldn't have ever imagined. But it was incredible, and I remember... You know, I met all four of the co-founders at that time, but Christine, that meeting with you was the thing that sold me on exactly what Refinery29 was and what it could be and everything that your vision was and what you believed the voice could stand for. And that was so powerful to me. Uh, Thank you. I mean, I remember that first meeting with you so distinctly as well. And um, I think more so... You know, something that you weren't privy to was just the the just so many meetings and and resumes and emails that um, that I had that I had gone through and and people I'd met and conversations I'd had with um, candidates for that role, which is a really it was a it was, it was an important role. I knew that it was going to be defining. I knew that it was going to be a big new chapter in not just the editorial departments. Um, sort of genesis, but in the company, because I think that, you know, hiring that person was going to require so much trust between me and that person. It was the first real, you know, sort of senior, um, senior level um, editor and leader on the edit team that was going to allow me to continue to scale the team and to start to really explore um, with much more freedom, you know, what we could do and, you know, who we could hire and, you know, what new categories we could, you know, sort of dip our toes into and, and start to test. And so there was, it wasn't just a job. It was really finding someone that had the, that just had the sort of desire to do something that entrepreneurial and that open-ended because I knew that this job wasn't just editing. It wasn't just managing people. It wasn't just assigning stories. It was really being a great compliment to me and a foil to me in a lot of ways, you know, to help challenge me to 
make different decisions or go in a different direction and not necessarily keep doing things the same way that we had been, which was, you know, on a smaller scale. And, um, and I think I wouldn't say it was, it was particularly safe, but, um, but I was very focused on getting us to, to certain, to certain sort of goal, um, goal kind of signposts, I guess you'd call it signposts. But I'll rem- I, I remember, you know, I was living in a very tiny apartment with my husband um, in Borham Hill in Brooklyn. And I remember just feeling super discouraged, as I'm sure many of you out there, if you've if you've been interviewing for a unique job, you know, where it's like you really are. I mean, I hate using the, the term unicorn, but I think that it's popular now because it really helps to describe how rare some people are in their ability to kind of help you to figure out what that job can be. Um, it's not just what's on paper. It's really the person that embodies that position and can help to kind of add so much color to it is just so critical. And I was discouraged. I was getting ready to go on this huge trip, and um, I didn't feel like I was anywhere near finding the person that I knew I wanted to hire. But it taught me something really important, because when I read your your cover letter, and I've told you this story a few times when people have, like, you know, kind of um, solicited us, you know, that story from us, was I was sitting over breakfast you know, reading my emails, ignoring my husband, as we all do at <laughs> breakfast. And um, I saw your cover letter come in and I was just like going down. I was like, yes, 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 yes. And I immediately emailed you and I was like, this is the person, this is the person I want to hire. And um, Justin, Philip, I think was out, Philip Von Boreas, who's uh, one of our co-founders and CEO, he was out of town. And, um, and in those days, we kind of all met with, you know, pe- you know, sort of significant hires and, and, I remember Justin was in town and I was like, you need to meet this person. She's so special and so smart and so eager and really ready for this challenge. And he met with you and afterwards he was like, just hire her. He was like, just hire her. I was like, I can't do that. And I think we waited until I got back from New Zealand. I think you did have to meet with Philip, didn't you? I did. Yeah. And I just remember that moment Sometimes it can be that simple. I think that, you know, you can go through really complicated hiring hiring sort of processes and operations. You want to be thorough. You want to be exacting about the kind of person that you want to bring in. But so much of choosing great people that are right for you. I mean, there's great people everywhere, but sometimes they're not necessarily the right people for for particular roles is just really feeling it. It's so much like, I don't know if you if you agree, now that you're in such a, a huge leadership position here at Girl Boss, but it's it's like dating. I mean, it's so much like dating. It's so much like romance and love and intimacy is that you have to feel your way through it and you have to kind of see how you respond to people. And, you know, some of the biggest mistakes, the things I have regrets about are when I've ha- I've allowed people to convince me that a person was right for a job when I knew they weren't. The tough thing is that you have to see it play out and you have to really kind of like bend yourself around it. And it's not easy for that person either. And I do think that I have good instincts when it comes to when it comes to identifying really unique and special talent. You were so ready to do something so much bigger than you were doing as an editor at 17 at that time. And you knew you could do it. That's the difference is that you weren't just interested or excited or wanted a promotion or wanted to make more money. You actually knew that there was something that you needed to do and you had to do it. 
And I think that really shows when you have a meeting with someone in that interview process. And I think that when you're interviewing, and I think this now, even when I go to, you know, important meetings, you know, with brand partners or people that we want to collaborate with, people I admire who have like, you know, incredible skills and are knowledgeable about, you know, so many different things. I really try to imagine like, what is it we really want to do together? You know, what is the dream? And then my job in those moments is to really kind of articulate what that dream is. And I think that, you know, that first meeting I had with you was doing that. I don't even think I realized the potential of that role until I met you. And the beauty of hiring you, and it's one of the reasons why I miss you so much. It's like, it's like funny to be (laughs) sitting in your new office. Um, and obviously, Sophia is um, the founder of Girl Boss. is is so brilliant and and so creative and and so curious. And um, I think that you know she's probably you know been somebody that would do the same for you. You know that would really kind of invite you in and help you to or allow you to kind of have some space to explore what you can do next. And and you're obviously doing that. And it just it just brings me a lot of joy. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I think that that actually, it comes back to, I think, running theme of when I was thinking about this conversation and what I really wanted to ask you, I think something that's always sort of bowled me over about your approach, certainly to leadership, but also the way that you've mentored and coached and guided me has been that you come from this place of generosity. And I think that the way that you let me come into Refinery29, which was your baby, and you gave me room to make my own imprint on it and to make my own mistakes and to make my own hires, um, or you came at my departure with such generosity and you were so kind and you were so supportive throughout the entire thing. And really, you're the person that I can thank for even the opportunity to make the leap because you believed in me. Well, you did that for yourself. I mean, you you create opportunities for yourself. And I think that that is such a big part of success. And I think that Sometimes, you know, we've all encountered people that, you know, think that they're owed something. And I understand that. I understand what it means to work really hard and to, you know, do that with the with the understanding that you are getting something important and meaningful out of it. But so much of success I've grown to realize, and it's really, you know, not even just through my own actions and experiences, but by observing people like you, is just you have to make your own opportunities. You have to be in a situation and really pay attention to your surroundings and what's happening and looking at where the deficiencies are and where you can actually fill in gaps. And because that's what makes a business successful. That's what makes something work. You can't just be looking at a job in a linear way. And, um, and I think that that's just my, my philosophy as as an entrepreneur is like, you know, I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. I think that's why you're drawn to those opportunities because it's not just one thing. It's like being able to really be very, very kind of thorough and, um, and expansive about how you see every day and, um, and the work that you do. And it, and it doesn't really, some days feel like work. They feel really hard and they feel, they feel taxing, but, other days feel like magic. It's like you're in your essence. And I think you're very, it's, 
it's abundantly sort of obvious when you're doing that because things are easy, things flow. And it's so important to pay attention to that because when that's happening, when things are working and the wheels are turning and people are are hearing you and shit's getting done, it's it's just there's just nothing more fulfilling than that. And that that, you know, relates to anything that you're doing, whether it's like, you know, work, parenting, activism, you know, taking care of your of your of your well being. I think that when things feel easy and they feel like they're flowing and they feel good, it's just really important to pay attention to that. Work shouldn't feel miserable. It really shouldn't. And when it does, it means there's something that needs to be addressed. And you are hopefully the kind of person that has the courage to face that. There, there is that, right? There's that fundamental philosophy of how you approach work and how it should be that I think obviously guides how you work. But there is also something that's selfless about the approach that you take, right? When we're talking about that approach that's like generosity, there's something that's like, okay, I'm going to put my needs second and I'm going to say, I'm going to champion you and I'm going to let you sort of have this opportunity or I'm going to let you fly. And how do you, like, how do you think about that on an internal level? Well, I want to bring that back to you for a second because I think that you, I mean, this part will make me cry. And I think anyone that's grown a business, I think is, this part is familiar to them, but you have to make a choice if you have if you have a dream and you see that you 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 have like some place on the horizon that you need to reach and we obviously had that at refinery we had very very big aspirations to make um to make that a significant and influential media company but i think having you there by my side i had to make that choice to lean on you and to trust you, and to also be really vulnerable around you. I mean, I think that you were one of the people that saw firsthand where I needed help, where I might have been struggling, where I didn't have the answers. And that's a really hard place to be when you have to sort of imagine that you're a leader, you're someone that's whose opinion really matters to the people around you. I think I had a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, but I had bouts of insecurity and um, because I didn't know what I was doing at moments. And I also felt a lot of, a lot of conflict around the choices we had to make. And I think that, you know, sacrifices are a reality of, of growing any business, but I think it's, working closely with people that are going to keep tabs on what those sacrifices are and how how important and crucial they are to you know to what it is you want to be on that horizon and i think that what i learned through working with you and managing you and collaborating with you is not being aware of when i'm leading by fear and not by courage and and competence. I think that we all have those moments when <laughs> we can all laugh about it. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to leave this meeting and I'm not really sure what I'm saying. And it's just like, you know, that's the voice in your head. And it actually sounds like that. It's, <laughs> it is really shrill and annoying and also completely out of control. And, you know, obviously what's happening on the outside doesn't sound that way, but it's, you have to have your people around you and um, to help you as you help them to to become better and to be what it is that they're meant to become. And I think you're one of those people that, you know, you watched me have to do things that I didn't want to do. 
and that was really really tough for me and um and I think that you never made me feel like I was selling out because of that and um and you always I think the work that you did the way you sort of picked up the slack was by okay we're going to make that choice so this is what we're going to need to do you know as a result of that then I think that you know I was so lucky to to have you there with me um allowing me to lead and also just supporting me at the same time that's so incredible thank you I think that there's something so inspiring and really educational about watching someone in a leadership role make themselves vulnerable make themselves you know push themselves to make choices that are difficult and to be able to watch you do that and to be able to partner with you in some of those things and to bring those like challenging situations to life was sort of the education of a lifetime I think so too it was for me as well So much of fostering a strong mentor-mentee relationship is about bringing honesty to the table. Because if you're not keeping it real with each other, what's the point, right? And in the spirit of keeping things honest and friendly between us, consider this a little beauty tip from one friend to another. The right hairspray can keep you looking sleek and polished throughout your day. And my favorite one to date is the Tresemme Compressed Micro Mist Hairspray. It somehow manages to be both incredibly lightweight and really effective when it comes to preserving your style. And on top of that, it uses 50% less gas, meaning the bottle itself is way more compact and portable, so you can throw it into any bag and bust it out before you head out to that one-on-one with your boss or dinner with friends or wherever you're going. It also comes in four different levels of hold, depending on your hair type so you know that you're getting the right formula for your hair and look. To learn more, visit Tresemme.com. That's T-R-E-S-E-M-M-E.com to check them out and shop your favorite products. Now, back to my conversation with Christine. So there are a couple of examples of, I think, moments where I've really leaned on you or where I've looked to you for guidance, and I think that they speak to... um, a range of different ways in which I think you show up for people. But before we jump into those, I'm actually curious. I know that I'm not the only person, certainly the only editor who worked at Refinery, but really the only person. I know that there are so many women and men out there who look to you for inspiration, but also see you as a mentor. And I'm curious how, why that matters to you. Why is it important to you to show up for people in that way? I genuinely care about people. I I care about I care about animals. <laughs> I care about plants. And you know, I do really believe in this sort of dual mentorship, you know, this sort of inversion of influence. You know, I've to, I've told you about that that sort of philosophy and and it's um I'm not the first to coin it, but it's you enter into a mentorship role being mentored yourself. And I think that that's what makes it work is that you have to be a good listener. You know, it isn't just about me telling you what to do and giving you my advice and, you know, sort of pushing you or nudging you in certain directions. You have to really be a listener and you have to be kind of learning and growing yourself in that relationship. And um, I think that that's the trick. I have so many people in my life that, that, 
give me that 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 joy and also help me to look past all of the garbage that we feel and think and say about ourselves. That's not true. How do you think about conquering that negative self-talk? Because you're talking about that shrill voice in the back of your head earlier. How do you silence? Have you I should learned name to silence her. that? I should really give yes. her a name. I know. I hope she's back. I know. There she is. I know. Have you learned to mute her a little bit or to silence her or just accept her? How has your relationship with that voice changed over time? It really depends. I'd like to say that I'm like, oh, I'm so compassionate to her. She's just doing her best. (laughs) She's just out there, you know, trying to get shit done. But, you know, some days it's harder. You know, you can't really predict it. And I think just try to be kind to yourself. And if you if you can't tolerate it and you're just angry and you just want to go out and have a cocktail and just sort of anesthetize yourself a tiny bit, then I think that's fine. But, you know, usually what helps me is to talk through it with people I respect and trust and just say, I didn't have a proud moment today. I, I, I think that I may have, you know, sort of done X, Y, or Z and talking through it and sort of finding the, the value in it, because that's what growing as a leader is. It's like a lot of, I think that we get to see these really inspiring um, sort of leadership moments publicly, but I think what we don't see a lot of is just the the sort of white knuckling it behind the scenes and just like you know the hand wringing and you know the the, the <laughs> eyes wide open in the middle of the night at three a.m. and just be like I cannot get back to sleep because I can't get my brain to shut off, and um, and that's part of it. You know, I think big ambitions. When you have big ambitions, you have to be okay with the fact that things come along with that, and you have to learn how to manage that. You're a realist. There's like a pragmatism to that. It is. I mean, you have to be realistic about it, but you also, otherwise, we just sort of, you know, are so cruel to ourselves. I think that, you know, we have good days and we have bad days, but I think it's really, really important when you are reflecting on a good day and you were like, today was good. Why was it so good? You know, try to connect the dots because I think that that is part of your story and like what makes you operate at a really high level. And it's just important to be in touch with that and try to replicate it. Yeah. There have been two points in my, I think the last eight years for me where you've sort of reminded me of something really powerful, which is um, my instinct often is, you know, I feel most capable and confident in doing the work. I know that I can get the work done. and No matter how much work there is, I can put my head down and I can do it. And there was a moment, I think probably in our year-end review where, let's call it five years ago, you were like, you're doing a great job, but you need to move yourself out of this space behind the shadows you need to make yourself seen and you need to find a voice for yourself and that was so powerful and it felt so scary to me then but it also pushed me to take risks and to think about myself differently and then again actually probably earlier this year I came to see you and your beautiful new baby girl Rafi (laughs) and we had you know we caught up we had conversations about everything um from babies to fertility to life to work and you were like you know you should think about like how you step out of the shadows like you don't want to always be the behind the scenes person and I think that you know the manifestation of that actually probably is partially this show you know how it 
pushed me to really think about, oh, right, am I going back to that, you know, easy, comfortable place of just getting the work done? How do I make my ideas known? How do I get my voice heard? And I think sometimes you just need that push. And you've always been there at those moments for me to identify that. I don't think that those are, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to, I, I want to sort of politely or constructively disagree with you. I didn't, don't think that's an easy place for you. I actually think that you're sort of knowing you the way that I do, your brain just moves quickly. You know how to get shit done. You're really good at it. And I think sometimes it's just easier for you to do it yourself and to get it done and, you know, to have everybody kind of like falling in, in line, you know, and doing it with you. And I think sometimes because that, that skill comes so easily to you that you don't take the time to actually step aside and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to not do that for a little bit, a little while, because I want to develop this other skill, because I think that I could be good at that too. I don't think it's easy for you. I think that it's just that you are very high functioning. And I also think that you have a clarity when it comes to efficiency, that is really awesome. And you should really pat yourself on the back because of that. It seemed to me that from my observations is that you had fear and and sort of worry that you wouldn't have that chance to be in the spotlight and to see if you could do that too. And I think that you knew you needed to practice and exercise that and, and create those those opportunities for yourself and you have. And I think it's a, also a big reason why this role was right for you because I think that you probably could have stayed on at Refinery29 for a long time and obviously it was it was really cha- it was so hard to to see you go but you know I think knowing how ambitious Sophia is and and what she wanted for this company and this brand there was like limitless skills and things that you would be able to sort of activate in that in in this role and I think that you're that kind of person you need to have that I think that it that's what feeds you it's so insightful. And I think that actually I came at that anecdote from one perspective. And I think I just learned something even in hearing you talk about it and talking about sort of what you what you have observed in me. So I, I do think that that's, it's really amazing. And I feel like I'm constantly learning from you. Um, how do you think about sharing those kinds of insights, right? It, see, it feels like one of your superpowers is that you see those things in people. You can very clearly understand this is where you're struggling or where you're holding yourself back. This is where, you know, this is why you shine in this place. Um, how do you identify those things? Is it really something that just is innate to you? I think you know from from your time at Refinery that I've always been a believer that, you know, we don't have these sort of, you know, um, defined, like, categories of our life and and never the twain shall meet. I think that, you know, our lives, different areas of our lives bleed into one another. And I think that that's been the beauty of how we create content. And I think it's really important. I think writing, writing for me is a way to, to a sort of a kind of just in a cathartic way, um, recognize and acknowledge um, what I'm feeling about things and, and how I want those things to be um, sort of shared with the world. And sometimes that comes across as advice or insight. I think 
you know me really well. It's like I'm kind of always learning along with everybody else. And maybe I'll have um, observations about things or kind of an aha moment. But, you know, a lot of my own learning comes through writing essays and, and sort of having space to myself to kind of organize my my feelings and my my thoughts about things. And I think that mentorship comes from that and sort of helping to encourage that in other people. I think that's why I love my podcast so much, because we kind of go into the studio thinking it's going to be about one thing and it becomes about something else, because I think you have to be really, and this is the same thing in a workplace. It's the same thing in a relationship. It's sort of all the same, you know, kind of compassion is that you just, if you're paying attention to somebody, you can see what where you need to kind of like sort of take things next or what you need to do in order to kind of advance the situation forward. Um, You know, and sometimes we don't show up that way. Sometimes we're assholes and we just like, you know, want to hide in our office and just, you know, you know, send bitchy emails, you know, very spontaneously and not wait, you know, the, the requisite, the requisite 24 hours before you send an angry email. Sometimes we just, you know, we don't, we don't show up, you know, the way that we really wish we could. And, um, and hopefully those, those moments are few and far between, but I think it's just, I think it's just a reality of, of trying to be good, just be great, actually. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk. Shift those gears. That's right. (laughs) And talk a little bit from like more macro perspective about uh-huh. mentorship and this idea of, you know, everything we've been talking about today actually really ties back to the idea of just how do we show up for each other? How do we support other women? And I'm curious, you know, working in women's media, we are surrounded by so many women, but I do think that there are things that hold women back. I think that there are still institutional structures that make it hard for us to succeed. And I'm curious what you think, if you think that those exist and what you think some of those are that we can potentially overcome by supporting each other and banding together. There's a lot of those institutional structures that still exist. And um, even if they're perceived, and I think that we still feel the the presence of them, even if, you know, sort of on paper or on mission statements, it says that it's not true. And I think, obviously, pay equity is really, really important, because I think that it's a process. And I think that it discourages me a bit to know that we haven't made that much progress over the past 40 years. And um, this was work that we did together when we were um, when we worked together. And I think that the, only, the best thing that we can do is that when we are interacting with other women is just encouraging them to feel confident about when you're actually negotiating salary or talking about promotions or talking about growth and opportunities is to really come prepared with, you know, what you've brought to the table. I think that it's so important to really be your own advocate and to be your best salesperson, you know, in terms of being able to relay a lot of the invisible labor that a lot of people don't see. And I think that that was something that I, I think, you know, I pay, I pay very close attention to that and the people around me, because I think there's a lot of invisible labor that, you know, I do that sometimes I feel discouraged that people don't see. And um, I think everyone feels that way. So I think you have to really come prepared in those moments to say, you know, I did this and I did this and it led to this and, you know, sort of connecting dots in the ways that some people don't always have the time for. But we have to show up in that way for ourselves and to know what is the 
you know, sort of competitive rate? You know, what are men getting paid in, in similar roles at, at similar companies? We have to be warriors for each other and um, in whatever way we can. And I saw that so much when I when I became pregnant with Rafi because I'd had such a hard time. And, you know, some people were aware of my journey, some people weren't. And, you know, the way that some of my, you know, sort of so-called competitors showed up for me um, was so beautiful. One of them, you know, I'm I'm going to see her after this, Hillary Kerr, you know, the founder of Who What Where, who was like literally a guardian angel throughout like, you know, the sort of right after I had Rafi and just while my daughter was in the NICU and was just so right there, you know, just helping to support me. That's so, that's generosity. You know, that to me is mentorship too. And that is one of the things that, you know, we can actually help to change is that sort of institutional or that kind of perceived competition that we have with other women is to just be supportive and recognize the ways we complement each other and that we can learn from each other. I think that that's so valuable. I'm proud to be a woman's woman. I really am. Yes. And what we hear from our community all the time is they also want to be proud to be women's women and they want to pass along mentorship. But at the stage that a lot of these women are in, they want mentorship, but they have no idea how to find it. And I think I got lucky in that, you know, I found mentorship in you because you didn't get lucky. You looked for it. I looked for it. it. But I looked, you know, I think I looked for the job and I found so much more. And I could never have expected everything that would come with it. I didn't, you know, I think there's this idea that you write this formal letter of like, Christine, will you be my mentor? Do you accept? Check yes or no. And I think that almost never happens. But I'm curious if you have any advice for women that are looking for that kind of guidance. Where... Where should they be looking maybe in the world that they're already in rather than trying to sort of cold email someone or find someone that's a stranger to help them? I think that a great exercise um, to do, and it's fun, is to just in your in your journal, you know, anywhere, you know, on a scrap of paper, you know, just make a list of all the women in your life that you're so happy are in your sort of like orbit. Make, you know, list all of their names, really think about, meditate on like what it is they bring to you why you're grateful for them in your life and then I would make another list of all the women you really admire that maybe you follow on social media and the reasons why and it doesn't have to be like 20 women long I mean have you know five on the left column you know five on the right column and really prioritize who are the women that you need the most right now what do they do what do they embody what are they going through that is something that you really just are craving in your life right now and I promise you, you will be able to develop those relationships. I think that you're right. It isn't about emailing someone and saying, hey, I really admire your work and your success. I'd love for you to be my mentor. Mentorship is, it's a stewardship. It's, it's so intimate and it's so, it's so reliant on chemistry. And, um, and I think that it's a relationship like any other that you have to cultivate. It's not something like you sign a contract and like you're going to show up and, you know, sort of put in an hour a week like you're you know taking French lessons it's um it's so much more sort of expansive and and sort of mysterious in that way but I think that if we're lucky and we are sort of showing up for other women we'll see that we have invited other other sort of potential mentors in our sphere that we can actually just you know cultivate a little bit more 
And I think, you know, I really believe that saying, you know, you, you get what you give. It's like if you are not putting yourself out there to other people, there's probably not a good chance that you're bringing in a lot of great mentorship either. You have to just be open and generous like you like you referenced in the beginning of our com- our conversation and you know try to be aware of the different pockets of your life where you can you can be giving of yourself because you just get so much out of it. So true karma's real certainly, but actually even the act of giving is fulfilling. Yes. I think that you I think that in many ways meeting you and and working with you was a gift. And it wasn't just because, you know, I was working so hard. It was because I think that I think that we were sort of destined to work together. I think that there were things that we were doing behind the scenes that just happened to match. And I'm I'm really happy that that happened. I am as well. I can't imagine where I'd be if I hadn't met you. Christine, thank you so much for everything, but also for today. Thank you. It's a privilege to know you and to work with you and to just watch you soaring. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Mentor Memos, produced by the Girlboss Radio Network, in partnership with our wonderful friends at Trasame. At Girlboss, we are always looking to connect you with other women who are just as ambitious as you are. And that's why we're so proud to partner with Trasame. Trasame has been helping women express themselves confidently as they make their mark on the world. While we can't fix everything at once, we can support one another on our journeys. And that's what this podcast is all about. If you like what we're doing on the show, then be sure to tune in to the next episode to hear more stories of mentorship. And of course, please be sure to rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe so you don't miss out on a single episode. That's it for now. Talk next week.